Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric Triplett, and welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors. Real contractors, true stories, real solutions. Hey, at the end of the show, we're going to ask you to do us a favor and give us a like and a review and share it with all your contractor buddies, help them out. We also want to tell you about our free Facebook group where you can go and talk to other like-minded contractors. That's called the Contractor Profit Group. You can find us on Facebook for that. Or if you want to take your business to the next level, get some real coaching and just take your game up five notches. Check out our group called the Profit Club. It's our paid coaching group. You can find out more information about that at hammerandgrind.com forward slash the profit club. On today's topic, we're going to be talking about something that I think is really important, Eric, that most people don't really think about. And that is why you need to charge more in your business. So you want to touch on the topics that are that people don't think about? Or you want to just touch on the topics like, well, I need to make more money. I need a nicer car. I think we can cover all of them, but I want to spend the majority of the time talking about the things that most of them don't even think about why you need to charge more money. So what that means we're not talking about Ford Raptors? Um, I mean, if if that's your cup of tea, then that's fine. But <laughs> well, come on. That's why like most contractors are like, well, I, I need to charge more to get my Ford Raptor. Most of them get the Ford Raptor when they can't even afford it. So I don't think that's actually the issue. True, true, true. What about the bass boat? If I charge more money, I get the bass boat. Uh, I mean, maybe if we're talking about some extra guns, then you might have my attention, but I don't really care about a bass boat either. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about guns. Yeah. True story on that. A funny story is that my business sponsors me as a shooter. Why do I do that? Because it's all a tax write-off. Because you can? Because I can. Smart. It's my business. Let's talk about the non-obvious. Go ahead. All right. What comes to mind quickly on something like this is I think most most contractors are bidding it either super, super close or they're underbidding it to get the job. And then they actually, it, the, the project actually becomes a disservice to the customer because they're trying to cut corners. They're trying to like get to the finish line. I hate finish line projects. It's one of the reasons why I don't like you know, all those TV shows, it's like, you know, get the job done in 24 hours. It's because like, when it comes down to the bottom end, they just want to finish the thing. They're running out of money. They're just like slapping paint over stuff. They're not caulking things. It's just, it's a finish line project. You know what they call those type of pe- those type of jobs or people? I just told you, finish line projects. No, do you know, there's a name for those people. Do you know what they call them? What do they call it? Frantic finishers. It's horrible. Don't be a frantic finisher. I've I've done it before. I hate it. It's the worst. Before we get into the unknowns, let's let's kind of talk about the most common ones because I just want to kind of bring those up because some people may not even know why you should like the most common ones. So I want to cover all this whole spectrum. We won't spend as much time talking about those, but the most obvious reason you need to charge more is because you need to, one you need to be able to pay yourself more. 
or even pay yourself, period. So too many contractors, they don't, they don't actually put themselves on payroll. They just take money out, right? It's, it's like a, not a really good way to run it. And it takes you a couple of years to figure out it's really a bad idea. Well, I mean, if you get into the whole profit first accounting, you know, that's the reason behind that is so that because it, it doesn't even matter about contracting. Most small business owners and in the industry don't pay themselves enough or they don't pay themselves at all because they always want to pay all the bills first. Right. Or they don't pay it correctly. You know, they don't take it out of the money. The, they don't take it out of the bank correctly. Right. So it makes, yeah, they do a draw or they yeah, instead of paying taxes. Yeah. yeah. It's a total mess. So you need to be able to pay yourself more, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. You need to charge more so you can pay yourself more. What's what's another reason, an obvious reason why you need to charge more? Well, I want to stay, I want to stay, stay there for just another second. Because okay. how many contractors have their wives helping them? They don't pay their wives. Like their wives, well, that's work, true. their wives work for free. So you said they don't pay them, but it's really like the wife's doing all this back-end work and she actually doesn't get any compensation. He's like, well, I took out enough draw and we're going to pay the bills. It's going to be fine, babe. But she's actually putting in work. She should get paid. It's, that's horrible. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's contractors that they're the sole breadwinner, right? The wife helps in the business. Maybe she's a full-time stay-at-home mom, but she also helps do the books and stuff and answer the phones, you know, part-time. But she's not, like you said, she's not getting paid for that, right? And not only is she not getting paid for it, the contractor's not charging enough to pay himself enough. So now it's like cheating yourself out of two salaries. It's horrible. <laughs> That's pretty non-obvious. Like that is pretty a non-obvious one. Because contractors go, like they just think like, well. Well, you're already home. Like you're already home. You're not, you know, I mean, you're not really doing yeah, like just answer working. the phone. Yeah. And then it turns into five hours and then 20 hours. And then the next thing you know, you hire some more people. And now you have a full-time wife working 40 hours a week and 40 hours as a stay-at-home mom. And it's like, she still hasn't gotten paid anything, right? Because the business hasn't really grown any. You just took on more jobs and you haven't paid yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. So it just gets getting worse and worse and worse. I don't even know why she left me. She's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Like this is this is why you need to charge more so your wife doesn't leave you. Come on. Well, but it happens though. I mean, I'm, we're joking about it, but this I'm stuff serious. happens. I'm and serious. Here's, but here's the other thing too, Eric. It's it's easy to say, okay, for the first six months, we gotta bootstrap this, we gotta get it off the ground, right? Yeah. You're not paying yourself anything, you got six months reserves, you start your business. Like that's that's an acceptable plan if you know to get started. But the problem is six months turns into nine months, turns into a year, turns into two years to three years to five years. And they're still stuck in that same mentality of, I can't pay them or I'm not going to pay them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, it always takes longer than what most people think it does to grow the business. And if you don't design it to pay yourself up front and to charge more, you're just stuck in that crazy cycle. I, I'm just, I don't have nothing to say because I know too many contractors that like, I know their wife's helping them and I'm like, this is cool. Like, I, you know, I have this relationship. My wife helps me, you know, she gets paid a salary and like, that's just, that's normal to me. Right. But I, I see these contractors, they talk about their wife's helping and then, then he's like, oh yeah, my wife went back to work for something. And I'm like, oh my God, he doesn't pay her. He didn't pay her. She got fed up and she like, he's like, well, she doesn't like my business. She's not supporting me. It's like, well, no, you just don't pay her enough. So she went to work somewhere so she could actually help the family because you don't pay yourself enough. So it's it's just like, 
it's really out there. It's more common than you probably realize. Dude, there were times early on in my business when I was working where I had thoughts of, I need to go get a second job. Now think about that for a second. I own a business where I could almost print money if I know what I'm doing, right? I could work more in my own business and I have thoughts of, I need to get a second job because I'm not making enough money. I mean, that statement in and of itself is, is just, there's something fundamentally wrong about that. Yeah. That's why you need to, that's why you need to charge more. So that's a pretty obvious one, right? You need to pay yourself more. What's another pretty obvious reason why you need to charge more? Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, sustainable parts of your business. So like a lot of times you're thinking like, okay, well, I got to pay the overhead. I got to pay the rent. I got to pay the phone bills. I got to pay the truck payments. Like those are pretty obvious. But some of the not so obvious ones are that sustainable part of running your business, which is um, vehicle maintenance, uh, apparel maintenance, like uniforms, these these types of things that... They're not really at the forefront. You hire a few guys, you got a couple of trucks, all of a sudden you got tires need to be on your skid steer or on your truck. And you're like, I don't have the money for that because I'm, I already budgeted out on these other things. And all of a sudden, you know, you go well beyond the, the time limit. You should have got new shirts for your team or you're running on bald tires and hopefully you don't get a flat and then you'll lose more money today because you were unprepared. It's like you either create time to to do the maintenance on your vehicles or it's going to create it for yourself. It's going to just happen. Yeah. I mean, the vehicle maintenance is one thing I had in one, in a, in a two year span really is about a year and a half, but in a two year span, I had to replace engines in both my truck and my van at six sixty five hundred dollars a piece. Plus I had in order before I replaced my engine, I actually spent like $3,000 trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with it, which ended up turning, turning out to be a main bearing. So the engine shot, but I spent all this money. So in the course of over two years, I spent almost $20,000 in vehicle repairs. So that's the, that's the cash reserves that people, it's not so obvious to them. They need the cash reserves set aside for, you know, those, those weird scenarios. Yeah, and I didn't have $20,000 laying around. I mean, I had a little bit, but I didn't have $20,000. So I had to, what I got to do, put it on credit cards. Well, you know why you didn't have the money? I didn't know what I was doing. You weren't charging enough. That's why you need <clears> to well, charge that more. Well, there's that too. People need to charge more. I mean, it's almost like we're talking from experience here. I am. <laughs> why do you think I'm so smart? Because I, so, I was so stupid. Well, the, the debate's still out on that, Eric. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'll I'll fight you right now. <laughs> but listen, I had to put it on a Discover card, right? So now what do I have? Now I have a monthly payment of $200, $300, whatever it is. Now I just re- depleted my cash flows by two to $300 a month. You know what I mean? That I wasn't mm-hmm. planning on. And if you're running lean and you're not, and you're cash poor, your cash flow poor, now you just put a huge dent in your, in your uh, cash flow. And now you're struggling. That is a not so obvious one right there because most people don't understand their finances and expenses well enough. And so if like instead of paying off a credit card every single month, whether it's your fuel card or the Home Depot card or whatever your vendors are, if, if you're not paying them off at the end of every month, then you're getting these finance charges and these fees like that. And so if you're running your job smoothly, you're making the right margins on your projects and you're being efficient in the training, you're getting the jobs done on time, you should be able to pay those off at the end of the month. So if you're not charging enough to be able to pay those credit cards off 
at the end of the, each month, and now you're stacking on all these financing rates and like you're just giving money to the bank because you're not charging enough. Yeah, there were times where I was paying like $150 a month in interest on those things. And it was just, I was so pissed off because I wanted it? to pay them off. So, I mean, that, I mean, it might have been more. I don't remember. I kind of block all that information out. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you're charging the right amount of money, then, then you're not, you're, you're making enough to where you don't have to rely on the credit cards. The credit cards get paid off at the end of the month. You have the reserves set aside for when the need new tires for your, for your vehicle or the engine blows up or whatever. I mean, if you've been in business for a while, long enough, you know, we're talking two decades here now, I'm getting old. The truck that I bought, I, my truck will be dead. The one that I drive my, my every day, it'll be dead in 50,000 miles. 50,000 miles, it's going to be gone. It'll be, it'll be at 300 plus thousand. It'll be over. It'll be like, what do I got to do now? I got to get a new truck. So cash reserves and set-asides need to be in place to where I can put down a substantial amount of money on a vehicle so I don't have a big payment or I can just pay cash for it. So that's vehicle payments and stuff, gas, all that maintenance. But what about like tools, right? So let's just say you you were smart enough when you started your business and maybe you had five thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars to start your business and you made a large equipment purchase or tool purchase early on, right? You went out and you bought, I don't know, five thousand dollars worth of tools to do your job. And you're good, right? Now you're set for the rest of your career. Like you never have to buy those tools ever again. Right? I mean, that's it. You just one time purchase and you're done. They don't make craftsmen like they used to, man. Back in the day, like you could, I mean, you need to get some saw blades and stuff, but back in the day they used to. But nowadays, you know, it's crazy because nowadays, like there's a lot of throwaway tools, even like good quality stuff, like all these battery operated ones. You think they're all badass. Like in 12 months, they're trash. Throw it away, you got to get a new one. Definitely the batteries. I mean, the, the tools can last a little bit longer, but like drills, power drills. I mean, I got drills that are five, six, seven years old. Of course, that's because I buy DeWalt, which we're not officially sponsored by DeWalt yet. <laughs> but the batteries go bad in those things. And the batteries cost more than the actual drill. So half the time, it's cheaper to buy a, a kit with a drill in it and you get two batteries for the same price as replacing one battery. Wait, did you see that cool trick on, on TikTok with the battery? You think yes. it's dead and you like yes. touch it? Have you tried that yet? No, I need to. I got a couple batteries Dude, that aren't working. You, we need to do that. I need to see if that works or not. Yeah, we're, not official, moment. we're not officially sponsored by TikTok yet either. <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel. Okay, so what's the other reasons why? Maybe uh, it has something to do with marketing. I mean, how are people going to find out about you if you don't tell them? It takes money to do that. Yeah, I, I just I don't know if that's a. I mean, that's certainly a point. I don't know if that's the super obvious or not obvious one. I got one. I forgot you, you. You don't think putting a, a wrap in your vehicle is important? No, it's important, but I think I think it's fairly obvious that people are like, "Hey, I got to have my truck look good. I got to have my marketing. I got to." Yeah, but if you don't have the money to do it, I know. But you're talking about obvious and not obvious. Like, I think that's obvious to people. Okay, I'm gonna give. Well, you something. I, I wanted. Yeah, but I wanted to cover some of the obvious ones first okay. before we got into the not so obvious. Can we get back to the Raptor? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So yeah, I mean, marketing, that would be an obvious one. What's another obvious one? Now you put me on the spot. See, you changed, you changed on me. Now I'm all, I lost my train of thought. What, what about uh, culture? Like, maybe that's not too obvious. So I think a lot, of, a lot of contractors don't think about culture. I think it's probably a whole podcast. But like, 
doing something nice for your crew, you know, getting them lunch or taking them out to a nice dinner, having a family picnic, you know, doing bonuses at the end of the year. I don't do that stuff. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, and it's not so obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I don't do it as much as you do. It's easier. I mean, if you got a helper, if it's just you and a helper, that's easy to buy them lunch once a week or whatever, right? Or a couple times a week. Or I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty obvious. But if you got 10 guys working for you, that's not necessarily an obvious or easy thing to do where you're buying them lunch every week or once a month for that matter. Well, I just sold this job just enough to keep them busy. It's winter and I just, you know, I just sold it cheap enough to keep them busy. So, you know, is that cool? That, that actually reminds me of one, which is putting money aside for the rainy day. I call. I have an account called the Rainy Day Fund. They don't rain in California. I don't even need one of those accounts. No, well, we have snow here sometimes, so you know, I, there, there's times where I, I don't lay guys off. I I'm I'm pretty passionate about making sure my guys are busy. Like I will not pay myself if I have to put, keep my guys busy. I take that part serious. I take my employees' livelihoods serious. And so if it, if it got so bad to where I either had to not pay myself or pay my guys to sit in the shop and do nothing, I'd pay them to sit in the shop and do nothing. That's just me. I'm not saying that's good business advice. I'm just saying that's how I treat my guys. Well, that, that's going to go back to some of the KPIs and those things that we talk about. Like, I think it's really important for me. I know I can get 250 days a year of work. 250, 255. You know, in California, my weather the holidays, weekends off or whatever, a one week paid vacation to the crew or whatever, I know I can get 250 days out of, out of my guys. So if, if I lived in an area where I, you know, got a lot of rain, like maybe Texas, there's a certain amount of rain days, you know, and maybe I'm only going to get 210 days a year of work. So I would run my business and run my numbers based on those days. And I would want to be able to compensate my team, you know, on those days. They could, I could pay them enough the way they could still live on the days that it rains. So that's, that's a, I guess that's kind of a deep dive one right there. But the, the point I'm getting at is if you paid yourself more money, if you charged more, I should say, you would have money, you would have some reserves left over to have a little bonus program with, for the crew. Like, hey, we got this job done. Hey, if we can get this job done by Friday, there's an extra hundred bucks for everybody. Or, hey, if we can get this job done on time, you know, I'm, I'm buying dinner or whatever. Like, gift cards, or I don't know. You, you start to create culture and create this inspiration for the team to be mindful and be efficient. And if you're not charging enough, you don't have the opportunity to even think about doing something like that. Well, that's true too. I mean, that, that's definitely all true things. I just like to have a rainy day fund that way because there's times too in the wintertime where it just happens where you know, there's the, the t- schedule doesn't work out perfect, and there's three or four days in a week that we don't have anything going on. Well, we'll we'll use that time to work in the shop, or you know, get things PM that didn't get done. Like once a year, I tend to pull out all my saws and stuff like that, and check and make sure there's not like loose bolts on them, or you know, stuff that just needs to be like PM'd on them. So that's preventative maintenance for those that don't know what PM means. But just doing maintenance on them. So I use that time to help cover where, you know, I say sitting in the shop and not do anything. They never not, that's never happened. I mean, there's always something to be done, but it's not like income producing work. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's so so having that money set aside for that helps 
And we've already talked about like capital investments, growth. I mean, if you want to, you know, re- replacing your truck that you drive is one thing, but planning to ha- to buy another truck or two or five, that's a totally different thing, right? Now you got to save even more money to, to plan for that type of a purchase. I mean, you could finance that stuff. I mean, that's definitely possible. But like we said before, when you finance things, now you have payments and you're paying interest. So it actually ends up costing you more money. Yeah, it's crazy. So like, I don't know if this is totally on topic, but like if, if you're charging enough, you have the ability and flexibility to make decisions like, I'm in, a, I'm in a tricky spot right now where I have enough vehicles to where, you know, there's, there's always tires that need to be fixed. There's always tires that need to be rotated. There's always oil changes. There's always like a mirror that got smashed and needs to get replaced. There's always, you know, the, the wiring on the trailers. There's literally always something to do all the time. And so by charging enough money, I can, like literally I can pay a guy on a Saturday just to, just to run to the oil place and he'll do like six, six uh, oil changes in one day. It's just like do loops take one truck back and forth, back and forth. And then the trucks have been maintained and everything's cool. And then Monday morning, the team comes in and everyone rolls. And then it's not like, oh, the, oh, we need an oil change. Oh, and then he fuels up the vehicles at the same time. But like when you get to a certain point, you're going to be like, hey, I just need to hire a mechanic because it actually makes sense to put someone on the staff to maintain vehicles. And so if you're not like charging enough money to make little moves like that, you'll never be able to make that leap that there, there's a there's a threshold, a breakthrough area that you need to think about, and so whether you have one apprentice or you know five people or ten people, you, you should be you should be charging enough to where you can make sense of that and have the ability to move when you can. Absolutely, it just gives you options, right? Like what you're talking about, having more money gives you options in your business. I want to talk about another reason, though, why you need to charge more. And that is because the jobs never go as good in, as in your mind in real life, right? When we bid this job, we look at it, we may think this job's going to take X days, 10 days to do this project, right? On, a, on, a, on an average day, not even like a good day, like on an average day. But then you don't take into effect that the materials show up and they're damaged or there's a change order or something that affects the, you know, I mean, there's just, there's so many things that can go wrong. Your trailer breaks down on the side of the road. You lose three hours of that day waiting to get the tire changed, whatever. And then you have, you so you're out that money, right? And if you bid the job so tight to where you have exactly 10 days figured and you think it's going to take 10 days, you have no wiggle room whatsoever if anything goes south. Wiggle, wiggle. I want to share a story, unless you have a follow-up with that. I want to share no. a story about it. No, it's so, good. This is happening like literally today in, in the last three weeks. I hate doing doors. I'll just tell you that right now. And the reason is, is because the door manufacturers out there have all gone to crap. The quality of them is terrible. Unless you, unless you go super high premium door, your average doors are just terrible. So I, I just kind of quit installing doors. But I had this customer that wanted a a front door, a big door, transom, side lights, a huge door, custom, spread jams, spread mullions. I mean, and it doesn't necessarily matter if you know what that means, but it was a big door. And so I put a big price tag on it, right? I threw a lot of extra money into it. 
uh, for labor and profit. And the door comes in and it's all jacked up. It's supposed to be unfinished on the inside. It was, it was primed. And it took like three months to get this door in because it was a custom-made door. And the customer didn't want to wait. So I was like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to go ahead and uh, faux finish the inside. So I have a painter on staff. She's really, really good. I asked her, can we do it? She said, yeah, no problem. So we're going to faux finish the inside to look like wood, stained wood, right? That's the solution. But that wasn't part of the bid. The original part of the bid was just going in, staining the inside, painting the outside, and we're done. Now it added on like 12 extra hours of labor in painting to make this happen. Now, I'm not going to charge the customer that because it's not his fault. The door didn't come in the right way. And I'm not going to make him wait another three months to get a new door made. Right? So I have to eat that. On top of that, the the way the door was made, I had to spend an extra 45 minutes during install just to fix the things that were screwed up on the install. So all these little things are coming together. I send my other guy out there today to put the storm door on the front. And he gets out there, and because of the way the door was made, the storm door won't fit. It's going to hit the door handle, hits the, the storm door, hits the door handle. And so now we have to add on extra thickness for the, for the storm door to, to clear the door handle, which I didn't have planned in the, in the uh, job. So now he went out there for two hours and wasted his time. So all of these things have happened. I got to go out there tomorrow and meet with the manufacturer because the things, the grids on the, on the lights are not done right. And we couldn't paint them all the way because if they're going to replace them, we don't want to paint them twice. So the painter can't finish the job. I got to go out there tomorrow and meet with the manufacturer, find out what they're going to do, come up with a solution. And so all this stuff's happening on this one job that I was going to have so much profit on that now I'm probably going to be best like barely making any money on it all. That's brutal. That's why you got to have extra money. If I would have had like a normal, what I would normally charge for that job, I would be losing money on it. So here's, here's the thing. I mean, it's not uncommon to just have a small percentage fee on every single project that you do per season for you know warranty work, for callbacks, for red tags, for manufacturer defects, like not necessarily for you. It's not like you're taxing your customers for, you know, the, the what ifs, but that's really what you're doing. This is construction. It's not like, you know, we're we're dealing with like a lot of times in remodels, you open up something to, to get to something else and you're it's just everything you just explained. The manufacturer shows up and they screwed something up. So it's like, there are a lot of what ifs. And so don't think that for a second that, you know, large companies don't have some of that stuff figured out in their costs and what they're charging for people. So I don't understand why contractors can't figure that out and just go, hey, you know, I'm going to do $100,000 in work this year or whatever this month, depending on your size of your company. Like you need to work in like a 3 to 5% like warranty callback, what if kind of number. So if you're doing a job for 10 grand, work in three to 5%, throw a little bit extra on there. And that's what you sell the job for. And that kind of covers that, you know, just it's random, but it covers you. Uh, And so see, the thing is like the customer, 
if, if the contractor's not doing it, they're just not going to answer the phone. I'm just going to ignore it. Hopefully it goes away. I'm just going to ignore it until I have to go. Or I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. So I'll just stop by if I have to. If I really ignore it, maybe it'll just go away. And that gives contractors bad names. It, it hurts your brand. It, and it just, it hurts the whole industry when that happens. And so by the contractors not charging enough, it actually is a disservice to the entire industry. I actually met with a friend of mine today and we, was, or it, we just ran each other at lunch and we, we had lunch together. And we were, he's a contractor. And we were talking about, uh, locally, there were uh, f- uh, five doctors that started a construction business. Five doctors started a home building business. Got my, you got my attention. And they hired a production manager, a construction manager, basically, to run the jobs. And the, this customer called him out to fix a problem. And, and he gets out there and he looks at it and he's like, this is a warranty issue. Like the house wasn't even a year old. He's like, this is all warranty stuff. You need to call the home builder back and, and ha- make them fix it. And they're like, F that dude. We're never calling them ever again. Everything through this whole process. There's, we've spent so much money. Everything's been so screwed up from what they did. Like we're never going to, uh, you know, call them back ever again. So their brand's destroyed because they weren't charging enough. Well, no, they didn't even know what they're doing. They didn't know what they're doing, but they have like their tile. They put the tile in the kitchen directly onto the subfloor. So it's cracking everywhere. They didn't put proper underlayment underneath the tile the way you're supposed to. So the tile is, the house is less than a year old and tile is cracking all over the place. I mean, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of repairs. Right. But this is going to the, the back to the warranty issue that this is people that don't know what they're doing. Right. If you know what you're doing, it can still happen. You can still have errors and problems that you have to go back and fix. And so, like you said, if you don't have things factored in, it can come back and bite you. Those guys are not calling them back. My point of that was, like you said, contractors don't call them back. They're calling the they were calling the home builder to the point to where the home builders are like not even returning their calls anymore. Yeah, I mean it's pretty common. I mean, how many times you talk to a client and? And they bring up another contractor and terrible experience. I mean, it's it's not too often that you go like, oh yeah, well, I want you to come out. I can't wait for you to work on this project. The last contractor experience I had was amazing. And I just can't wait to have that same experience with you. I mean, that shit just doesn't happen. You're like, why didn't you call them back? <laughs> well, it could have been a landscape contractor. Now you're I'm looking for a kidding. roofer. But you know, you get the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, just, you don't get that kind of stuff. Well, and... So it also depends on what you're doing as far as charging for warranties. I mean, yes, you need to. I don't. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a percentage based. It can be if you're doing the same thing. If all you do is ponds and that's literally all you do, then that works. But if you do, a, you know, if you're doing landscaping, ponds and sod or all these different things, you know, obviously some things are going to have more warranty claims than others, and so you may need to uh, fluctuate that based on the type of service that you're offering. Yeah, that that's certainly doable for sure. I mean, if you're installing windows and you have a certain amount of defects or callbacks, then you can kind of factor that in every time you do a window. But like, if if you've been doing it for two, three, four, five years, if you're really tracking things and doing the KPIs like you should, and understand your callbacks and understand all the stuff, you know, you start to get a feel for those things. That's why KPIs are so important. You realize, like, hey, this this we had a problem on this one, had a problem on that one, had another rad tag here, and you kind of add that up at the end of the year. And then you can back those numbers up against your total gross income and and figure things out. 
You got to factor in your employees too, right? Because when I was yeah. by myself or had a helper, I didn't have callbacks. Like it almost never happened. But when I started hiring employees, I started getting callbacks. Well, sure. I mean, that that's part of the process. That's part of being a contractor, an entrepreneur. Like you can't you can't do the whole thing if you want to scale it all. I guess you can be a solopreneur, one man operation your whole life. But you know, if you really want to provide for your your family, if you really want to make a difference in the community, if you want to leave legacy, you have to scale with people and you have to trust in them. You have to let things go. And and what let's talk about efficiencies. When you when you hire an apprentice, then it slow you down by what's the percentage? You know, I mean, <laughs> right? That's crazy. Well, yeah, when you hire uh, anytime you hire someone, I mean for for me, when I hire someone, it takes about six months before they are like settled into the job. And it takes about a year before they are like firing all cylinders. Like, you know, I mean, like they don't have to think about anything or how does, how does Team Handy do this way or what's Brad want done? Like none of, that, none of that happens, but it takes about a year to even get to that point, right? Of working together before they're finally like just flowing. Yeah, I mean, that's why investing in your employees is so important. That's because it goes back to the culture. You should be charging enough so you can actually offer your employees a, a good wage. You should be offering, you know, should be charging enough so you can take the time to train new people so you can move things on. Dude, I, I was training one of my newer guys how to run a skid steer the other day, and it was painful. I mean, it was painful. It's like, it took me like, I don't know, an hour and a half to to teach him like to to load a certain amount of stone into a vehicle. It took me like an hour and a half, something I could have done myself in 20 minutes. You know, and it's like so many contractors can't get past that, you know. But if if you're charging more, then you can actually have this like a calm approach to training employees. If you're barely going to make enough money on this job, you you can't even take that extra hour or half an hour, 45 minutes to be thoughtful about and about safety, about your machinery, about you know everything in that training process. If you're not charging enough, it's it's hard to break through that barrier. Uh, absolutely, you have to factor in all that stuff. You got to factor in that when they when they do screw stuff up, screw stuff up. They're going to screw up things, right? I mean, you have to factor all that in. So. The last, I think the last thing I want to talk about, and I, and I think it's important in terms of why you need to charge more money. And it's very unknown uh, or not obvious, I should say. That is, you need to charge more so that you can give your customer a better experience. Like buying them gifts at the end? What do you mean? Explain it. So I'm glad you asked, Eric. <laughs> Whenever you don't have to have as many jobs going on and you, if you charge more money, you don't necessarily have to do as many jobs to make the same amount of money that you would, right? So whether it doesn't matter what type of work you do, but if you make, if you're trying to do $500,000 a year in revenue and it takes you 50 jobs to do that, if you charge more money, you could still make $500,000 in revenue and maybe only have to do 30 jobs a year, right? Which would you rather manage and be in control, 30 jobs or 50 jobs? It's a question. Which one would you rather manage, 30 jobs or 50 jobs? I mean, it's, it's a rhetorical question, so I don't know why you're asking me. Well, 
I'm just, I don't know. Maybe you didn't know. If, I mean, because <laughs> I'm thinking like, well, are they high exposure jobs? Could I get some marketing? Could I get a Raptor out of it? Like all these things are going through my mind. But I mean, the obvious is like, hey, we want to work. We don't want to have to manage 50, less headaches, less stress, make the same amount of money. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah. And if you factor in some extra time, whenever things, whenever things do go wrong, you can you know, take care of some stuff without having to charge the customer more money if you don't want to, depending on what the factor is. You don't have to become a frantic finisher. You don't have to be a frantic finisher running around forgetting stuff and having to go back three times to get a different, a longer bolt because the bolt wasn't long enough. I mean, all these things factor in, right? So you can provide a better quality experience for your customers if you actually charge them more money. And a lot of people are like, well, that's like screwing them over. Like you're just ripping them off if you're doing that. No, the thing that people, the contractors don't understand is that whenever you give someone a dollar amount, if you say, Eric, this project's going to cost you $20,000, okay? And you have enough profit figured in to be able to deliver them an awesome experience. It's up to them to decide if they want to spend that much money. You're not putting a gun to their head and making them do that. If another contractor comes along and says he can do the exact same job for $15,000, it doesn't matter if they hire you. That's their choice. So a lot of guys have this mindset thing. Well, I can't charge them. That's too much. That's just too much. You're just ripping them off. So that's that's some head trash that, that a lot of contractors have to work through. And you're going to be pissed, but I got one other thing I want to talk about. But before I talk about that, I'm going to follow you up here because I'll tell you right now, I'm talking to you, listener, sitting on your couch. I'm talking to you, listener, sitting on the toilet. I'm talking to you, listener, in the shower, driving down the road. The con- whoever, whoever's listening to this right now, there are prospects out there that would pay you double what you're, what you're charging, whatever job you're on right now. They would pay you double gladly. And I'm going to take it farther. There's, there's customers that would pay you triple what you're charging the person you're working on their house right now. Whether it's a door insulation, window insulation, roofing, pond construction, whatever it is, there's clients that would pay you way more money than you're charging right now. And it does not mean that you're ripping them off. If you're working on your brand and you're working on creating amazing experiences for your your customers, they will pay you gladly, happily, smiling, sometimes in cash, you know, double, triple what you're paying, what you're charging now for a, a flawless experience, that the attention to detail that you're un, unable to provide because you're not charging the amount of money that you are. It's, it's a fact. And so I want to make sure that's been said. Well, I agree with you 100%. And if, you're, if people aren't willing to pay you, guess what? You have the wrong customer. That's another part of the equation we're not going to get into tonight, Eric. But if you if your people are just saying you're too expensive and they can't afford you, it's because you have the wrong customer. It's because you haven't it's done, not because, you haven't done enough branding yet. You haven't branded yourself correctly yet. A lot, lot of or, things, yeah, all kinds of factors. Yeah, or, or you're not you're just attracting the wrong type of customer, right? So that that goes to branding on. That's what you're saying. But if it doesn't mean that you're charging too much, it just means that you're not finding the right customers. Yeah. What was your other thing you wanted to bring up? This is my favorite thing, and you probably won't like it because you know I'm an artist, right? Oh crap! Here we go. 
so like this is this is when it comes to actually charging for consultations. Like you need to charge more. This is like, imagine all the people that go out and do free consultations. They don't charge, they run around town, they go to people's houses, right? Like if if you're not, if you're not being paid for your time, like your mindset, your emotion, your your EQ on location, trying to assist this person and being a consultant, I'm gonna do a free design consultation. You're not a consultant. If you went there for free, you're not a consultant. I don't care who you are. I'll fight you right now. If you go there for free, you're just like, all you can think about is how can I get this person to sell? How can I close them? How can I get them to buy? And so the my favorite thing about this whole conversation is I'm actually more creative. I'm actually can I can actually be creative in someone's backyard and go like, what would I do here? What how can I make this amazing experience? What can, how can I make this the best project I've ever done because then then I, I can get like this creative attitude about the whole thing and actually I can create a better experience for the customer instead of just you know like getting their information and giving them a number and hoping I can get the deal there's a there's a whole mindset shift there when you do charge for your time which is charging more actually charging instead of doing it for free are you trying to say I'm not creative Eric well I mean like, look, painting that faux door is probably pretty creative. They had to like do some cool stuff and whatever. I mean, well, I didn't do that. I'm not that well, creative. I know. Well, I'm saying she's creative. She works for you. So there's creative aspects to your business. I didn't say you were creative. Oh, okay. No, but I mean, you know, you can be creative in marketing. You can be creative on design and stuff like that. I'm not saying you're not creative. I'm just saying, as a pond builder, like I want to be an artist. Like I want the water to do certain things. I want it to touch people's lives with water. I want the sound to be just different than the last project. And I want to be, I want to actually design a, a pond that's perfect for these people, even if it risks telling them what they think is right for them is actually wrong. And it happens all the time. I'm like, hey, look, do you mind if I just throw a curveball at you? I have some ideas that I'd like to throw at you that might just be um, w- way way out of line, but I'd like to expose those with you. And I can have that conversation. In the past, when I was doing it for free, I, I don't want to do that. If I tell them some other things, they might not want to spend money with me. I, I need this job. I don't, want to, I don't want to ruffle the feathers and throw a curveball. I just want to do what they want. Tell them how much it's going to cost so I can get the job. Well, here's a little ring and ding or whatever you want to call it, alert or notification or whatever. But when someone says, Eric, we, we want you to come out and... and uh, give us some ideas on how to take care of the space. That's when you know you should be charging for your time. I mean, you should be charging no matter what. But if they're if they want your ideas because they don't know exactly how it's going to look, that is a consultation. You're providing a service. That is not giving them an estimate. That's not the same as saying how much is this pond going to cost. If they say we want your ideas and kind of lay it out and tell us what's going to work in our space, you are providing a service and therefore you should be charging for that. Yeah, I mean, you should be mindful of things like that. It'd be fun if you know whoever's listening starts making that check mark, because there's probably a lot of a lot of contractors that get that. A lot of them. I want to, hey, hey, Brad, I, just, I wanted to give you a shot at this job. You know, you did a job for uh, you know one of my neighbors, and uh, I thought I'd give you a call and give you a shot at it. I was hoping you can come out and give me some ideas. I mean, how many times have you heard that? That's hilarious. I want to give you a shot. Come and give me some ideas. Yeah, I had a uh, friend of mine just the other day, he wants his deck stained and he's like, hey, come on out and give me a bid. (laughs) I'm not going to come out and give you a bid. 
I mean, that may he may have just been saying. I mean, usually I get I get all the work that he's you know once done, and that just may have been him saying that. Come on out, give me a price. But it's just whenever people say use language like that, it's usually like, hey, I'm collecting bids. I got a chain around my neck, and it's got I got the fingers of all the contractors that I've collected bids from. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I think of. <laughs> That's hilarious. Man. I, <laughs> I'm collecting bids. I want to give you a shot at this. When can you come out and give me some ideas? I'm going to use that in a role play on someone. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that this week. <laughs> but that happens, right? And it, it's not always the con- it's not always the customer's fault. Like, yes, there are people out there that are like that, but sometimes they just don't know any better. You got to educate them on it. That's a whole other podcast. But why you need to charge more, I think we've covered, I mean, maybe there's some we missed, but that, those are the main ones that you need to be able to do. Uh, why you need to charge more so you can provide a better quality service for your customers so that you can expand and scale buying equipment. You got to replace equipment. You got to pay yourself money. You got to pay your spouse money. You know, there's all kinds of things that are going on in your business maintenance-wise that can happen. Take care of your team. Treat them to, I mean, you could even treat them to a half a day off, right? Give them a half day off and pay them the rest of the day, pay them for a full day, whatever. I mean, the, all these things factor into why you need to charge more money. And if you're just breaking even in your business, you're going to be on the crazy cycle for a long, long time. Thank you so much for catching the podcast tonight. Listen, if you're listening right now and you're finding value, do the world a favor and share the podcast with another contractor. We're trying to make the the contracting experience for everyone important. And if you're in fact a contractor, you're going to probably have to hire a contractor one day to do some work for you. So spread the word, spread the news about the hammer and grind movement. We're trying to make the world a better place. One contractor at a time. Thanks so much for your attention tonight.